Welcome to Antique Dust. Hello and welcome back to the Antique Dust Pop-Up Podcast. Pop-Up Podcast. Amazing. I'm Jonathan. I'm Rob. And together we are Antique, Antique Dust. Dust. Woo! Yay! Yay! Rocking that thing. So anyway, the pop-up podcast is basically where we watch the very first episode of a classic TV series. Um, we've done Scarecrow, Mr. King, and today we are doing Space 1999. Now, I remember this show fondly as a child. However, however, yeah. When we watched the very first episode, that wasn't the series that I was fondly remembering. Yes, you were remembering year two. Yes, which was camp and frothy and fun. And very much influenced by Americans. Yeah. Year one was kind of pure Jerry and Sylvia Anderson. It was quite thinky. It was quite it was, it was cere- very, very cerebral. Ph- philosophical. Very much so. And maybe a little bit slow. It was very, very slow. Don't get me wrong. It's it was fabulous, and the aesthetics was great. <laughs> the soundscape was amazing, and you could tell they'd spent a fair amount of budget. Yeah. Actually, actually, they didn't spend as much money on this as you're imagining. Really. The the special effects, for example, are really really good. I mean, they're really cinematic, mm-hmm. but actually they were done quite cheaply. Because they, they use a really old-fashioned technique. You know, a technique going back to the early days of, of the film film industry. Oh. So rather than going down the line that um, Star Wars and so on did with using green screens mm-hmm. to, to, do the, to, do the, to do the effects, what, um, what was done in Space 1999 was they would film one bit of the special effect on it against a black screen. Mm-hmm. Then they would literally rewind the camera you know, the film would uh-huh. be rewound in the in in the camera, and then shoot another. And then they shoot another aspect of the special effect. And as long as the the elements of the special effect didn't cross each other in any way, it produced a really really good outcome. We can see that from the program. Yeah, and it was really cheap. Really it, it, cheap. I mean, the special effects were really good. Now, for, for those people that are not aware, Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. Basically, the moon is being used as a nuclear waste dumping ground. Where yes, they and it's also being used as a yeah. So it's being used to store nuclear waste. It's also being used um, as a as a springboard for uh, for probing other planets. It's a and space laboratory. Meta is a planet that is a wandering planet that is coming within reach of. Uh, the moon, the, the moon. moon and they're they're poised to launch a, a probe to Meta, and they believe that Meta is capable of of carrying life. Though if it's a wandering planet, I'm not quite sure it would be capable. But but often with Which Space 1999, it's it's not a good idea to overly it's think. It's probably best not to overthink it. So Jerry Anderson, if those people are not aware of him, he did sort of Joe 90, Thunderbirds, all of those 
amazing puppet type shows all so, the way back to the 1950s with four feather falls four feather falls four Can't feather falls four feather falls so um it's so the episode starts the episode, the episode starts. starts this episode is called breakaway and actually breakaway was one of my favorite chocolate biscuits when i was a, a kid oh what? i thought i saw remember they're like on packs of five um yes yeah, yeah. lunch boxes yes it was basically a chocolate digestive but it was fully covered in chocolate oh, and sure. i think it had oats oats in the in the biscuit as well lovely like a penguin yeah I, I was much more of a penguin boy yeah or a trio 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 that had like is it caramac in it or something or caramel yes i I was never a fan of the trio it was always quite cheap oh i thought i was thought it was quite (gasps) cheap chocolate well yeah admittedly the chocolate wasn't fabulous um but yeah yeah it's like it's like the club club biscuits jacob's club oh they used to advertise that three cubes yeah yeah they used to advertise it if you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit, join our club. Oh. But then they had to, they were banned from using that slogan because it turned out that there wasn't any actual chocolate. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a chocolate-like substitute that they used. Which, but br- then they, which brings they, us nicely back to Space 99, which is like acting light on the very first episode. Yeah, so the first episode begins, and one thing I loved about Space 1999 was the music. Oh my god! Yeah, it's the, so powerful. The, you know, Barry. It was Barry Gray who was the the Andersons' go to composer. I think at his very best. It's all that that dramatic fanfare introduction when in the first episode in the first year we're introduced to uh, Martin Landau and, and Barbara Bain. It's they were like, husband and wife, weren't they? They were starring Martin Landau, starring Barbara Barbara Bain. Clearly, we were being force-fed the idea that these were stars. stars because i think it's probably fair to say that when space 1999 was being shown in the uk i don't think they were particularly well known at that point because um mission impossible i think had had kind of like been and gone certainly when i was watching it i didn't know yeah. I'd, they, i didn't know anything about them it wasn't until a couple of years later when they actually started i think it was bbc2 started rerunning mission impossible a few years later and i watched it I thought, oh there's there's there, um, there, there's again. the commander and the doctor from space 1999 <laughs> but i do actually one of the elements i love about the opening sequence is it's that kind of dramatic introduction of uh-huh. But Barbara Bain looks like she's on some kind of turntable. That she's being, she's being. I'm just sort of imagining some kind of burly stagehand, kind know, of like but turning her around I, I, with a squeak I, I, I or felt, hand cranking something. I really in the felt back. her performance. I mean, it was as stiff as her hair was. It was just. It was understated. It understated. It was an understated oh, wait, performance. Sorry, it, it was. It was as though someone was there. It was like with 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 a with her script where she was having to read the words very very slowly and without emotion yeah. and and it was that was a bit weird now the the the, the plot line of the story is uh there's an illness that's ha- happening on space belt on the in moon city moon city moon city and uh where people are going a little bit bonkers and then they go into a coma after they have like then a, they a violent episode. They have a violent episode. They then go into a bit of a, a long sleep and then die. And they're not exactly sure why. But I say anything to do with the nuclear waste that they're digging into the floor? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Um, 
the scenes are phenomenal and you can tell that they were very proud of the scenes it was very much like space what was that 2000 2001 a space odyssey space odyssey it was very much sort of the scape of that with regards to visuals yes but using a lot of model work because this is jerry anderson don't forget so so there was there was an element of i guess you might call it puppetry but there was definitely definitely like small scale models being used yeah and so so basically these so we, we see an, an in evidence with regards to these gorgeous spacecraft and i the, loved i loved the spacecraft. The, I mean, they were, the, eag- the spacecraft eagles was, i was, i had a i had a dinky version a die die cast eagle um, transporter after we watched the episode i was there looking at ebay looking for models i thinking about what maybe buying your model for anniversary it's our 10 year anniversary next month or this month actually and uh, i was thinking oh and it was like 200 pounds yeah it was like what yeah. for a model really is that actual size do, can we actually fly to the <laughs> moon base an, an airfix model would do i'm not fussy no it was a fucking it was a bloody <laughs> language jonathan language but uh, and it, it was so basically the, these two people are sort of uh, are, are they getting rid of they're the shoveling they're, sho- they're, they're using a dipstick or something they're, they're I, I, don't, dip- I don't know yeah, it, it was it know. was a little bit bonkers and then one of them i uh, said so they're, they're putting the things that this nuclear waste into the seal and then one of them goes a little bit doolally and then starts creating and the other one tries to stop it so it's making a fuss making a fuss making a it's fuss like ha- having a strop in the, in the yeah. shopping aisle and meanwhile they're being watched by by uh, the doctor doctor and the other one and dr russell and and professor victor yeah. played by barry morse um the big sideburns yes now, <laughs> now the only that other that's not very space age was mm. it well, hey. <laughs> now, the only other thing I actually remember Barry Morse from, he had a very, very long career, did tons of theatre, films, TV, all the rest of it. But the only thing I actually remember him from was The Littlest Hobo. <gasps> now, my Oh, I love that show. And he no, never, Littlest Hobo never found a home. He never settled down. No. Maybe tomorrow, but no. Uh, oh. But my faulty memory led me to think that Barry Morse was in every episode of The Littlest Hobo. <laughs> but, but on research, I discovered he was only ever in one episode. And but it's I just the same won- episode that you've watched over Yeah, and that's over what I again. wonder, whether it was the same episode I saw over and over again we with, Barry, in the last with, episode. with Barry Morse in it. But yeah, so The Littlest Hobo. With- it's, it's the Crocodile D- Dundee paradox, isn't it? Really? <laughs> so we yes, come every this. episode of I Love Lucy is the same. <laughs> Of course, Barry Morse wasn't in year two. That's how we describe it. Year, year one and year two. Barry Morse wasn't in year two. Uh, apart- was he killed off in year one? Uh, well, there was a sequence that was a bit filmed in year two, um, alluding to his death, but it, it ended up on the cutting room floor. But in reality, well, depending on who you, who you listen to, either, there was either a dispute about pay or Barry Morse said to Jerry Anderson... I think I want to play with the grown-ups for a little while and refuse to <laughs> to do it to, to do year two. I mean, I this one it it was the episode one of series one was very very dry. It was the special effects were phenomenal, but it was not focused on kids. Uh, that, that, well, why would it be? 
Well, I thought it was a kid's show. Well, was it now? I think that... I don't think... I would never say that... Year year two, I think, was year a bit more kiddie, kiddie focus. But year one, I don't think I would ever describe it as a kid's no, show. No, it, it wasn't a kid's show. But then again... I, it, well, it was a kid's show for smarter kids like me. <laughs> Obviously, not not rough common kids that would hang around the precinct, precinct. <laughs> drinking Mad Dog Twenty Twenty and White Lightning. You know, I've never had White Lightning cider. You had, had cider though. I've I have a, plas- a plastic two-liter bottle. Yeah, yeah, you have. Trust me, you have. I've had White Lightning. I have had cider, but I don't well, think you've I, had supermarket-owned brand. I don't actually think I've had Mad Dog Twenty Twenty either. It's only the rough children that that drank that, or the rough yell. Over 18, obviously, listen. <laughs> the rough children. Where did you grow up? Downtown Lim. Downtown Lim. Nice, nice leafy suburb of Cheshire. With rough children drinking cider in, the, yeah, in, every, in every street corner. Then we were the farmhands. <laughs> farmhands children, maybe. What? <laughs> it's very rural. <laughs> so, the space, the space 1999. Theme tune rocks. The first episode does not live up to the theme tune, which is incredibly rocky and just brilliant. The soundscape going through the episode was brilliant. It was very good. The The stages were fantastic. It had all the sliding doors and the BP computers and and the aesthetics with regards to costumes. Yeah, was the, the unisex costumes that were designed brilliant. by by a, a costume, by a proper fashion designer. Right. I don't know who that was. No, but, I can't remember, but, but it was. It it looked expensive. It looked very filmic. And I think that was exactly the image they were going for. It was purely for me. The content of it was people go bonkers. They want to know what's going on. They've got this this sort of moving planet sort of thing. And then suddenly... Yeah. So, so there's something weird going on with the nuclear waste. Something to do with magnets or something. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, I, again, let's not let's not over <laughs> let's, not, go with the let's not overthink it, over, <laughs> overthink it. But there's something about magnetism that's causing an issue um, with people's with, brains, with, with brains, also with the the nuclear waste itself, and this traveling planet, and this traveling planet, and really to cut to the chase, the there's a massive pole. explosion that blasts the moon out of the the, the gravitational orbit. orbit of out uh, of the Earth's orbit, so the moon starts moving through space, and, time. and that's it—not through time, through oh. space. Well, yeah, through time, but just passing, <laughs> just passing at the normal rate—sixty <laughs> seconds to a minute. So it's not a time travel show, though. Actually, they, in a later episode, they do encounter a black hole that accelerates their their pro progress. So they actually. Um, they overcome perhaps the the obvious plot hole that it would take a hundred thousand years for for the moon to actually meet any other kind of planet or anything like that. So there's a black hole involved in a later episode. There's also in in later episodes there's also a suggestion made that the whole explosion and m- release of the moon from the Earth's uh, gravity was actually some sort of alien. Plot, Introve- of some uh, intervention. intervention of some, of of some kind. So it wasn't. So there is a suggestion of that that it wasn't entirely an accident. There was some kind of plan going on behind the scenes yeah. about that. Also, I, we have we have a, an eminent 
theatrical actor. Actor, baby. Showing yeah. showing up. Roy Detrice playing the commissioner. What else has he been in? Um, oh, loads Is of stuff. I'd have, yeah, I'd have to look up IMDb and so on to, to answer the question and you probably, your eyes would glaze over. But he's probably best known, <laughs> really, for a number of, well, I suppose he is the father of Michelle and Karen Detrice. Michelle Detrice, of course, was Betty. Oh, Frank, some, some mothers do some have Some mothers them. do have them. And Karen I've married uh, Edward Woodward, who was married in... Edward Woodward. Uh, the Wicker Man. Man and all kinds of all kinds of stuff. And, Car- and Karen Detrice, um, if I remember correctly, she was one of the, the little girl in Mary Poppins. Um, oh. Yeah. So he's yeah. So he turns, but he's also in the Guinness Book of World Records. What did he do? He has the record for the greatest number of characters created in an audio book series oh, for Game, you have of, mentioned Game this. of Thrones. Oh. Over gosh. he created over and voiced over two hundred characters. Oh gosh, I was when I went to drama school, I, I was crap with accents, but I was just like pushed into roles like posh English man, posh English person, posh English woman. <laughs> but we won't go into that. <laughs> I'm a lady and a lady like yeah. things. Yes, um, but I did very well for those roles. It was lovely. <laughs> so, yes, but Space 1999. Or I don't Spazio think Spazio 1999 as it was called. It was a the first the first year was an Italian co-production. Oh. It was co-produced with REI and there was supposed There was a stats like whiff of lasagna about There was it. supposed to be um Italian actors in, oh, really? in two of the main roles but they were actually cast with British actors. So to compensate in later episodes there's lots of Italian <laughs> actors turning up in in guest oh. guest roles. Making pasta. And Spazio. <laughs> Pizza's Dominoes. Yeah. <laughs> You're being very offensive, Jonathan. I hope you should. I have Italian that. relatives, I'm allowed to. <laughs> no, no, you're not allowed to. It's by heritage, we've got a pasta it's your, factory. It's not your heritage. Well, it's married through marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got a pasta factory, an Italian furniture firm. Yeah, but it's not your. It's not your heritage. Let's be clear on that. You're not Italian. I love Parmesan cheese. It's lovely. Uh, <laughs> Other cheeses are available. Other cheeses, yeah, dairyly. Oh, I like a dairyly slice. So, um, yeah, uh, it didn't do it for me, in fairness. I think if I'd have seen this first episode, I probably wouldn't have watched any others, in fairness. However, when I watched series two, that had a complete... Year two. Year two. Year two. Year two had a complete different energy to it. Well, absolutely, because... It was all the, 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 all the All the ideas from year one were all pretty much abandoned, and it just really became a, became a, a, a ratings a chasing. And it was, basically, it, was, it was made for the American market much more solidly come Do you think something like two. this would be made again? There has been talk of a, a reboot, um, but there's always talks of reboots of everything that doesn't mm. doesn't come come of anything. Um, there has been a, an audio uh, version of of Breakaway oh. um, done by Big Finish, oh. um, which is is available for download. Do you want to know which what real action space thing I would love to have remade? Go on. Terror Hall. Terrorhawks, Jerry Anderson again. Jerry Anderson, and I love Terrorhawks because it was, 
it, it was the, the villains were just so bonkersly fabulous and what's it um uh zelda zelda uh, the, the mad sister that had a baby <laughs> oh, a daughter was it a daughter no i thought it was a sister no it was a sister it was the sister, sister had a baby um uh, they had these cubes in it. what was it? the guy that was in oh, well windsor davis was, was windsor davis was, was one, one of the, the, the circle the, 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 the round yeah. thing because it was a game of knots and crosses basically wasn't every week between the the, <laughs> between the, the squares and the, the squares, yeah, the squares and the circles. <laughs> and having one of the one of the protagonists was was a pop star with purple hair or pink hair. Yeah, that was the do- the son. The, no, the... no, the, the, this was one of the, the heroes. Was the was a pop singer. She was a pop singer. Oh yeah, uh, she was that. one of the sort of fi- the sort of fight. So you'd pilots. like to see. I'd love, to see, I'd love to see Terrorhawks. A live Hawks. action version like to, or I'd a love puppet to see version? A live action version of Terror Hawks. Because I think that was bonkers and it was totally fun. It was probably hugely expensive. But that, I, mean, I think that was Terry Anderson's last. Jer- Terry Anderson? No, sorry, that? Jerry Anderson, sorry. Terry. Terry. I've got mind on the brain. Uh, then Arthur Daly and Terry. Okay. Theme, sing the theme tune. Uh, so, but Jerry Anderson, I, I think that was his last, his last series, wasn't it? I can't think of anything that came after that because the sort of the models all sort of changed because it wasn't puppetry; it was puppetry in a different way, uh, rather than strings. It, it, they, they were like was it sock puppets. <laughs> yes, that was it. it was like Muppet, uh, but it, it, there was something. So, like, like, there was I suppose they were probably more electronics, I imagine. Yeah, but I th- uh, Terrorhawks was the, the again that was Jerry Anderson. All, all of his all of his shows, all his like the commercial ones, were very theme tunes were brilliant. I mean, Thund- uh, Thunderbirds, yeah. Joe Ni- Joe ninety, Joe yeah. ninety. Yeah. As I said, Barry Gray composed most of those oh, themes that you're talking Hawks. about maybe we should do terror Hawks, the very first episode of terror Hawks. that would be amazing well what do you think why listeners not? why not <laughs> listener why not <laughs> mum what do you think uh, <laughs> go for it fill your boots but I, so you weren't so i think to, in, in summation the first we, we ep- found the first episode of space 1999 to be visually Visually attractive, good. Sound, sound was good. The good. music was good, but the storytelling perhaps was a little bit too slow for, for modern me. tastes. Yes, I, mean, I yes, I, mean, I, I don't think it was catering for the um, kids market. I don't think it was. I don't. I don't think it ever was ever planned I, I, to do I, so. And I, and I think because most of his stuff was catered for kids market, sort of. You've but he, this is part of, without wanting to get into a long discussion about Jerry Anderson particularly, this I think this was part of his movement away from children's programming. Mm. You know, he was very much keen to 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 move to to put to explore to puppetry toward to one to one side and actually m- begin to make programs for adults. But so he, this I mean, was one one off. He did do some really really. He did a re- I, I remember one film that he did um, or was involved in where it had parallel planets 
and there was a space rocket that uh, there was an astronaut that went that was d on, on a on a trajectory to to uh, to explore some other planet and then it sort of ended up back on its own planet and it just turned out that it turned up on the mirror image planet so basically you've got two planets running the same sort of dialogue well that sounds quite interesting but i've absolutely no idea what it is because i've never heard well, I, of it yeah. Uh, but that that but and that was that was a live action thing. But it had all it had all the Jerry Anderson sort of rockets, sort of animations and that sort of thing. And that that was a that was that was very very good. And that had the storytelling. It was I think it was obviously done for an American market, or it was done with Americans. Where this one, it was quite. I mean, I suppose it was done if it was done with an Italian plant, a, a, Italian production company. It's well, they provided the money. I mean, so the, so the, they've the probably, they've they probably fronted the money. They've probably taken, I, I imagine, because looking at some of the Italian productions of the period, they were quite long. Yeah, I think you're. I think I think you're getting hooked up on the whole Italian thing. I don't think there was there was no significant creative input. It was just basically the money plus some Italian performers. Yeah. I, because I don't think what was much more significant was Sir Lou Grade or Lord Grade at ITC, who was, you know, basically running, running the show, and his his executives at ITC in the UK and in the US, um, with with an eye to you know very much with an eye to export sales. I mean, looking at the American market, and I think that so the American market was for the second series. Yeah, basically um, was, it was. It was very much Buck Rogersy style. Yeah, so oh. there was a new. We had Maya played by Catherine Shell introduce the shape shifting well, alien. She was like part eagle and well, stuff. Well, well, she could change. She could change her shape. She could into into animals and what what not. And what have you? And what have you? Um, plus, some of the cast were or were let go, and new people were 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 brought in, particularly Tony Ann Holt. You're familiar oh, with. Oh yes, Charles Devere. Yes, he was. He was brought Howard's in. Howard's way. He was brought in to be a love interest for Maya. It's always a bit interesting when you think about it. Um, given that we hadn't seen him at all in the first year, he couldn't have. He, he had. He had to have been on the on the moon base for that whole, pe shells, that whole period. But we um, <laughs> just never never seen him before. Uh, Prentice Hancock, who who played the kind of second in command in, in year one he he was he was he wasn't in year two and of course there's a connection between Prentice Hancock and, and, and Space 1999 and the the podcast that we've recently done on Chalky uh -huh. because he is in the second and third installments of the Chalky trilogy he plays Albertine's father but anyway, right. it's, a, it's a small world. Like, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, for a spectacle, it was very good. And I can appreciate some of the aesthetics. And I can the story's good. There's the execution for me wasn't... Anyway, I think we're getting a bit repetitive yeah. now. We are. So anyway, if you have seen the very first episode of Space 1999 and you'd like to make your comments, is there anything we've missed... Did we missed something. Did I'm, sure we did. I'm sure we did. And please let us know. We are on all social media platforms. 
We've even got a TikTok, but we don't put anything on it. Uh, and that's at Antique Dust. And uh, please feel free to inbox me. This is Jonathan signing off. And this is Rob saying goodbye. Farewell. Bye-bye. This has been an Antique Dust production.